This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Well, here we are again. Croatia, done. Scotland, done. Time to play the Czech Republic. In the last episode, we spoke with Thomas Danicek from at Czech Footy, the Twitter account, in anticipation of this game. They seem to be coming round so quickly, don't they? I guess I'm just getting confused with all the other games that are on the telly. Uh, coming up on this episode, we'll reflect on that Czech game with England fan Matt Astbury, who writes his own blogs. And don't forget, you can catch up with our previous two England bloggers, Aidan Smith at threelines.net and Dom Smith at englandfootball.org. Both of them, they write great balanced pieces that come out shortly after each game. Well worth checking out. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the podcast. Really means a lot. And the comments you've made, they make it really worthwhile as well. I have to admit, I've had a few late nights getting these out. I've often sat with the headphones on, editing, with one ear on the podcast and one eye on the evening game, or the highlights show on the telly. Although I gave myself a day off Sunday, Father's Day. Try to forget the recent Scotland result. Push it to one side. I woke up on that Saturday just feeling rubbish. Felt awful. Not physically, but just deflated. As I mentioned on Twitter, kind of felt like a defeat. And in hindsight, a point really was great. I mean, we'd have all have been over the moon had the results been reversed. A nil-nil against the Croats and a one-nil against Scotland. The mood would have been ecstatic and would have still had four points. It was really just the performance that wasn't there and that was what frustrated us. And frankly, we haven't really performed as we know we can so far. We haven't seen that 5-0 win against the Czech Republic, the 6-0 win against Bulgaria, the 7-0 win against Montenegro. We know the performances are there, we just haven't seen them yet. So without heaping on too much pressure, the Czech game, we really do need to perform. It's going to pick us all up. It'll pick the mood of the nation up. It breeds confidence going into, hopefully, a home Wembley game in the round of 16. It sends a message to the rest of Europe that we're a team and we are more than capable of holding our own here. This is our manner and that trophy has our name on it. I don't want to dwell too much on those rumours that went round recently, but I think I ought to just mention them. Those rumours about the possibilities of Hungary hosting the finals. I don't know where the rumours originated from, but for Wembley to be pencilled in, then inked in by UEFA to host those semi-finals and the final for well over a couple of years now, for it to be taken away because Hungary are able to accommodate a larger amount of spectators would be an immense kick in the teeth to the FA, to the English public. I mean, I imagine the FA have spent a huge deal of time, effort and money preparing for semi-finals and a final, and I daren't even think about it at the moment, should we even get that far. 
And thankfully, those rumours seem to have died down a little. So what else has happened on the pitch since we last spoke? Sweden beat Slovakia. Don't remember a great deal about that one, to be honest. Spain drew with Poland. I've not been impressed by Spain at all. Germany stuffed Portugal. Bit surprising. Perhaps Germany are a little bit better than given credit for. Perhaps Portugal aren't as good as we gave them credit for. That was a good game, though. Uh, Italy beat Wales in Rome, but both went through as first and second place teams in Group A. And then, following the England-Scotland game, Scotland's Billy Gilmore tested positive for COVID, which is, to be honest, a shame. I don't really want to hear of players missing out through this way. And then shortly afterwards, England released a statement saying... As a precaution at this time and in consultation with Public Health England, Ben Chilwell and Mason Mount are isolating after interaction with Scotland player Billy Gilmore at Friday's match. The pair will be kept away from the rest of the England players and wider support team pending further discussions with Public Health England. The entire squad had lateral flow tests on Monday afternoon and were all again negative as was the case with Sunday's UEFA pre-match PCR tests. We will continue to follow all COVID-19 protocols and the UEFA testing regime, while remaining in close contact with Public Health England. Hmm. Now, speaking of testing, now over the last few episodes I've tried to bring you a flavour of England at Euro 2020. Getting a few little sound bites, you know, the train, the tickets, the turnstiles, the atmosphere. But there's one thing that I haven't given you. And it is part and parcel of going to the game. It's the COVID test. And I've realised I need to get this done before the check game. So if I'm going to give you the real experience, I have all the bits here. So let's get this out the way. Yeah, squirt this in here. Now this thing, the disposable sampling swab, I made a right schoolboy error before the Scotland game. Put it up my nose first before I put it in my mouth, didn't I? <laughs> schoolboy error. So yeah, in the mouth. And then the nose. Squish this around in there. Drip a little bit on this. And then we just wait and we watch that little guide go up. Oh. I'll tell you what, uh, this is authentic. You don't get this on your official England podcast or the Football Daily podcast. They don't do this, do they? This is why this is 100% independent, 100% unofficial. And there it is. We've got a line on C. Clear. So we'll just whack these details on the NHS website. Tell us why you took this test for another reason. Negative result, not likely to be infectious. Report the result. And there's the notification on my phone. Happy days. Let's go. So, Finland lost to Belgium last night, and it confirms qualification to the last 16 for Switzerland, Czech Republic, Sweden, France, and ourselves, England. This before playing our last group matches. We could lose to the Czech Republic and still go through. Yet Scotland and Croatia aren't guaranteed a place yet. They could finish second, I think. As I saw someone say on Twitter, it removes any jeopardy for those sides ahead of these final games. Shouldn't be like this. 
The Euros are supposed to be one of the hardest tournaments to win. And with it being like this, it just makes it a bit of a mockery. It's going to be interesting to see Gareth's thinking on it with regards to the team he puts out. Are we going for top place? Does he look further down the potential path we could take? Some may say a similar situation to 2018 in the World Cup. And especially now both Chilwell and Mount are definitely out following the Covid issue, which is another story, another farcical story in itself. And also with it being effectively a dead rubber, I'm wondering what's the attendance going to be like? Will some decide it's not worth the distance to travel on a weeknight? No loyalty caps at stake? Prefer to watch it at home or in the pub? 2016 was the first time this tournament was expanded to 24 teams and frankly I think it's kind of diluted it. I've had to Google that tournament as basically I don't remember a great deal of it. I don't remember the other games or the scenarios as I was going back and forth to France back then. But Portugal, well they qualified as one of the four best third place teams in the group after drawing three times. They then went on to win it. That's not right, is it? That's not right, you shouldn't finish third and then win the tournament. You may remember we finished second behind Wales. We had five points after drawing with Russia, beating Wales, and then there was that nil-nil with Slovakia, who incidentally they went through as one of the four third-place teams back then. Have Turkey or North Macedonia benefited this tournament? Finland too? Granted, they won their first game, but that was in highly unusual circumstances. Actually, Turkey went out of the last time after finishing third, Russia, they finished bottom this year, just as they did in 2016. Give me a 16-team tournament any day, back like we had in 2012, so we can get rid of some of this dross and some of the strange scenarios and permutations that pan in out. Anyway, let's go. This looks like my train. This train is for London Liverpool Street. Then we're all back home, safe and sound, sun shining. Let's chat with Matt Asprey, England fan and sports blogger. You can check out his work at mattasprey.wordpress. Yeah, it's a long name. We don't need to, don't need to I, I, we'll pop this links on social media. Yeah. Sure. It's Googleable, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, you will find it. It's one of the first things you put up if you put my name in. Good stuff. Matt, you're right. Yes, thanks. You? Yeah, very good. Very good. So we're, we're talking the day after the, the Czech Republic game. Where did you watch it? Well, I watched it from home. I only managed to get to one group stage game. That was the Croatia game. So I've watched the Scotland and the Czech Republic one from home. So no, it's actually been, um, it's been quite nice, actually. I mean, for the Croatia game, obviously in the stadium, it's sort of a bit, you're in a, in a bubble as such, not really knowing what's going on outside. You know, you can't check, you're not checking your phone every two seconds or something like that. But no, it was nice to watch an England game through a screen for once, the tournament game through a screen rather than being there. But no, um, I'm ready now to get back there next week. You've got a ticket for the round of 16 game. At this moment in time, we don't know who we're playing, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, um, I think every uh, England fan who's a member of the Chapel Club or is just trying to get to the games, it's a bit of a nightmare at the moment. It's very much a uh, potluck if you're on the UEFA website at the right time, if you've got enough uh, 
caps, things like that. But no, I'm, I've got a ticket. I'm going next week, regardless of uh, who we're playing. So let's just hope uh, England can uh, get the result that we want. Let's hope so. Well, last night, few changes in the team and the formation, wasn't there? We'll uh, we'll click, quickly run through the the team as it was announced last night. I mean, what, what did you make of the initial team? As I say, a few changes. I mean, Walker coming back in was the right decision, I thought. I think um, he's one of England's best attacking threats and he's one of our only players who can compete in terms of speed. And I think he could come very vital in the next round, whoever we play, whether it be France, Portugal, uh, Germany or Hungary. I was happy to see him back in. I think it was great to see Harry Maguire come back into the team because, again, you know, having Torrey Mings there is great, but... Harry Maguire's been there and done that with England. I mean, he was a crucial part to that 2018 World Cup semi-final run. There's a lot of chatter about Grealish and Saka. I mean, it was great to see Grealish start. And I think see like Southgate had been penned into a corner <laughs> to start the Aston Villa man while Saka was in the team ahead of Sancho, which, which a lot of people have been crying out for. Phil Foden wasn't even in the squad. It was an eye-opening team, but I think... Uh, after the game last night, I think Saka did himself very proud, I thought. And Grealish was great as always, despite being um, taken off midway through the second half. Grealish and Saka, when they came in, I think they really did count themselves. Yeah, no, I was I was chuffed to bits for both of them, chuffed to bits for Saka. But rotation is, is the key, isn't it? This is a squad game, this tournament, isn't it? Not just for us, but for every team playing. Yeah, I mean, the benefit is, is that the squads are a tad bigger for this tournament, obviously due to COVID and things like that, and also allowing five substitutions. And yes, rotation is vital. I mean, once we get past the round of 16 next Tuesday, well, hopefully we can get past there, the games do start coming thick and fast. We England are very lucky they've got six days now to rest, recuperate, analyse. I wouldn't be surprised if the teams are having a day off, just keeping their minds at ease. But no, rotation is crucial. And I think... No disrespect to the Czech Republic. They're a great team. I've enjoyed watching them this tournament. It was great to see Henderson come back in as well. He needs to get some minutes under his belt. So I think at the end of the day, we've done the right thing. We've given some of these big name players some vital minutes because come the latter stages, we're going to be calling on them to hopefully get him to the final, hopefully lift the trophy come 11th of July. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one player he has stuck with, or a couple of players he has stuck with, include Harry Kane obviously but Raheem Sterling and and he's deserved all the uh, plaudits two goals I mean Southgate rewards loyalty yeah, there's no um, there's no secret that he doesn't do that with his uh Sterling is a very senior member of that squad for Southgate. He's a bit of a lieutenant for him. And as a Manchester City fan, he has been frustrating this season. He, has been, he hasn't been great. But when I was at Wembley and saw him score against Croatia, I could have been more happy for him. That Scotland game is just a weird game of football. Yeah. They do come along in tournaments. Well, again, last night, he seemed really up for it. I mean, he hit the post. I mean, if that goal went in, that would have been a great, great goal he would have scored. But then, you know, for him to... 
score a header as well. I mean, that was the crazy thing. It wasn't, you know, fancy footwork. He leapt, well, obviously because of his height, he leapt so far up in the air and managed to get ahead of it. And it was a great header. It was a perfect technique. So, no, I'm really happy for him. And, you know, I think whenever he plays, he does split the public opinion because he is quite inconsistent. But at the moment, it seems like this tournament is Sterling's at the moment. I mean, there's all the talk about it being... Foden or something like that but at the moment it's Sterling who's taking all the portals and rightly so I mean he, he should start next week he's earned that place Yeah it's delicious cross from Grealish though wasn't it? I would have been surprised if Grealish after he did that cross just went over to Southgate's uh, dugout and just stuck his arms out and go that's what you get if you start <laughs> me but no it was a cracking cross I mean as well I think it was um, wasn't Saka just in front of Sterling at the cross yeah. so one thing that I noticed from watching the replay Saka did a great job of Marshing the Czech defender away from Sterling. Three of them were Saka, the Czech defender, then Sterling the other side. So there was the Czech defender in the middle who you'd have expected to get his head on the ball and get it away. But Saka used his strength, even for a 19-year-old, to basically marshal the Czech defender away from Sterling. And that gave Sterling so much time to time his jump and fire the ball into the back of the net. So Saka did play a part as well as Grealish. But no, it was a great goal for Sterling. Great work from Saka and Grealish showing why he should be starting. Yeah. As we mentioned, he, he hit the post in, in what, the second, third minute? That's the third game in succession where we've hit the post early in the first half. Obviously, Foden against Croatia, Stones against Scotland uh, and Sterling um, against the Czech Republic. If they'd have gone in, you'd just think, oh, that, that could have given us the, the emphasis to go on maybe and, and score more. I don't know. Am I being selfish, just wanting a little bit more from England? No, you're not. I don't think he'd been selfish at all. I mean, just from personal experience at the Croatia game, when Bone hit the post, I mean, the stadium was rocking when that hit the post. I mean, the, the 22,500, which were mostly England fans, when Bone hit the post, in my perspective, it felt like, you know, it felt like it was like a cup final like miss. It was like, you know, people, there was arms everywhere and things like that. I know we can be, it can be seem like selfish, like you should, they should be putting them away, but, you know, England should be. However, I was listening to a podcast this morning looking back on the game. One person summed this up perfectly. The group stages, you just have to negotiate them. There's no setting the tone, really. Group stage, just get through it. Then then the knockouts is where the real tournament starts. I'm quite glad they're hitting the post now because hopefully that means they're getting all these misfires out of the system and then come the real tough games, they'll be putting these chances away. But, I mean, the signs are there. We can do it. Again, now we're into the knockouts. It's you've got to take your chances now because you're going to be playing. Well, England's route to the final is very tough. Hopefully, hitting the post, it's got rid of all this misfire, and hopefully, we won't see too much of that on Tuesday. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, we're not we're not cruising, we're not stumbling, we're just kind of I don't know mooching our way through at the moment. And now we're kind of seeing the uh, the bright lights of the knockout stage. That's when we've got to be like, right, okay, let's get our act together now, and we'll uh, and we'll sort of stroll through. Hopefully. Uh, we've mentioned Sterling there. We've we've mentioned it was good to see Maguire back. Henderson came in for a for a bit. I mentioned Harry Kane with Dom Smith on the previous podcast, and and last night just it, it's just still a little bit frustration. He's coming deep a little bit too much for my liking. Yeah, um, I think this is something that that I've been saying for God knows how long. The dropping deep thing because at the end of the day he's there to do one job and that's to score goals. So, and, you know, when he's out to do it for Tottenham, no disrespect to Tottenham, but Tottenham on is that the greatest club team in England. They're a bit hit and miss and obviously he has to drop back and obviously, you know, his record in this season 
you know, you can't take anything away from it. Golden boot, most assists and all that. But when it's international football, all you need to do, Harry, is just stick up top. I just keep yeah. saying to everybody, just need to stay up top because he will get the service. I mean, even the players are coming out. They're showing support for Kane, and so they should. He's the captain. And also, there's a great togetherness in that squad. But I think in their minds, when they're talking about why isn't Kane getting enough chances, they're probably thinking, well, yeah, there's one other reason. He keeps clocking everything up. I mean, when you've got, for example, Sterling, Foden, Mount behind you, that shouldn't worry you about not getting the service. So I think Kane just needs to stay up top. And I think in the round of 16, we do need just a player up there just mixing up with the defenders constantly because that's how we're going to catch him. And that's where he's at his best. He's at his best. He's a great poacher. Like straight away, if there's a mistake, he'll be on it. Or if there's a great cross, he'll be on it. So yeah, he keeps dropping deep. Hopefully, I think a bit of tiredness has crept in with him as well. Hopefully this six or so days, he can recoup, get his energy levels back and then he can be fit and ready to go um, at Wembley on Tuesday night. Yeah, he had one opportunity where I think it was at the other end of the ground to where I was sitting. Um, and it was only when I saw it on the replay on the big screen, I thought, oh, if only he'd taken it first time. He wanted to sort of cut in and and have a, a proper stab at it. But I think the keeper just got hands to it and just kept hold of it. He just needs that one proper sight on goal and he'll come good, won't he? He will come good. We know that. We know what he's uh, what he's capable of. Well, we are into the, the round of 16. We know that for a fact. We're at Wembley. We know that for a fact. We just need to know who we're playing, don't we? And um, we're speaking before these last round of games are being played. Where do you see that going? Who, who frightens you? Who do you think we, uh, we stand a chance against? Can we get through this? I think... At first, I was saying Portugal because I tip them to be a dark horse. I think the thing is now, after watching them against Germany, it seems to have flipped. People are going, oh, quite fancy having a go at Portugal here. I think France France is the one that I'd be, they come second. I don't think, I personally don't think they will. I think they'll finish top. Yeah. I'd be quite worried about France because you've got so many players to worry about. And I mean, Kante is just. I mean, they're going to have to stick about four players on him just to make sure he stops getting the ball. But France would be one I'm scared about. Germany are very hot and cold, but it seems to me after they dismantled Portugal at the weekend that they seem to be hitting their stride now. And their their fullback threat is concerns me. They've got some very talented fullbacks and their attack is talented as well. I mean, Kai Habert seems to have come into his own. And um, again, it's the Germans as well. I mean, if they come to Wembley, they'll be up for it anyway they'll be up for knocking us out on our own patch Hungary no offence I don't see them getting through so I can forget about Hungary yeah, so enough. yeah it's probably it's probably Portugal because I think with Portugal you can frustrate them and then when I was watching them play Hungary in the first round of group matches they seemed to start getting a bit frustrated and it seemed to get quite slow once Hungary it felt like Hungary had worked them out Portugal were quite lethargic they weren't really that imaginative and obviously it took a bit of brilliance from Ronaldo to put Portugal in control. So if you can keep Ronaldo quiet, then I think you can keep Portugal quiet. Regardless, if you're going to win this tournament, you've got to play the best at some point and Portugal are the best. And I don't think, I think if we do end up playing them, I mean, it would be a, be a great confidence boost one if you knock out the defending champions in the first knockout round. So yeah, France, the only one I'm scared about, but Portugal I'd like to play. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm very much with you. France, obviously World Cup winners, Portugal, European Championship winners, Nations League winners, but you kind of look at them and you think that they're on, are they on the decline a little bit? You've just got to always be aware of Ronaldo. And then it, then you kind of think back to 2004 and 2006. And then you look at Germany and I kind of think Germany, well, playing them, it's, it's exactly the same as playing Scotland. 
I think, that is proper full-on game. It could go either way. Hungary, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think Hungary are going to uh, come through, but you never know. You never know. On the positive side, though, we haven't conceded. Two goals, none against, seven points, top of the group. Pickford hasn't really been tested. Maguire has come through um, unscathed. Um, I, I think things are things are going well for us. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, email the football isn't that exciting. I think Southgate has recognised what you need to win an international tournament. It's not about going gung-ho. It's about minimising mistakes and keeping the ball out your net effectively. And um, it was, I read um, about, you know, past tournament winners in Spain when they won the World Cup in 2010, they went on a consecutive run of just 1-0 wins. I think it was a four-match consecutive run in South Africa to win the World Cup. It proves that it works. And also, Southgate realised that defence is crucial in international football because, I mean, at the World Cup in 2018, France weren't the most, you know, glamorous side to watch, but they had the most, but they had the least defensive mistakes. It comes down to that. So, I mean, clean sheets, we're not conceding. I mean, there were chances, there was the odd chance of the Czech public game. It was only the Sioux Czech chance, I can remember. That was even a half chance at most. Then obviously Scotland, there was that great Pickford save, but again, Pickford was doing his job, stopping goals going in. So, no, the defence seems really shored up. And I think for all these people get frustrated with the attack, I think it's because you've got quite a lot of people who don't watch international football on a regular basis they come back from the club game they only really tune in on the tournaments they think it's going to be you know Barcelona-esque tiki-taka style pass when international football is quite industrial quite agricultural because of the pace at which the games come at so no, the defence I'm really confident with I'm feeling good I think you can't be negative you've got to get behind the boys and also you know you've just got to win that's simple as that now it's just win at all costs I, I mean it'd be a great way to cap off the summer if England can go all the way and win it but no on, on Tuesday I'll be there singing away get cheering the lads on hopefully uh, we're through to the quarterfinals lovely Matt cheers maybe I can catch up with you then yes definitely We've heard from Matt there and his thoughts. Now, as always, after each match, why not send us a 30-second voice note? Tell us who you are, where you're from, and what got you going? What frustrated you? Do we need to do more? Can we win this? Uh, Yeah, open up your phone, your voice notes, email them to threelinespodcast at gmail.com. And let's hear what selection of listeners thought after the Czech game. Hi, I'm Mike Curtis, and my thoughts on last night's game are as follows. I thought it was a better performance than... The first game against Croatia, a lot more direct. Second was my man of the match. Some good touches by Kane and Grealish. Port Sterling was unlucky for the first early chance. Still a little worried we are not creating enough shots. However, we won the group as Scotland locked out. So overall, a good day out. Hello, it's Gary again from Channel England Football on YouTube. So check me out. I think it was a, a much better and improved performance from England. I still think we're lacking flair and creativity. And against the bigger teams, we're going to have to finish them off. We can't sit back on one nil wins. But, you know, it is an improvement from England. On to the next round. Glad we've topped the group like we should. Next game at Wembley, obviously going to be against a big team. So come on, England. Let's finally knock a big team out of a tournament. Richard Cook here from the Outer Hebrides. Uh, Happy with the results. Happy that we topped the group. Not understanding why Jadon Sancho isn't getting more minutes and hasn't played yet so far. Uh, Looking forward to seeing who we draw in the next round. 
bit concerned still about our attack, uh, considering it was our defence that worried me most before the tournament started, and three clean sheets so far. Some here from It's Coming Home TV. Obviously a better performance against the Czechs. A good uh, 1-0 win in the end. Great to see uh, Jack Grealish get a you know a start and, and get the assist. He's, he's shown what he can do, and I think he has to start going forward. He's you know he's absolutely brilliant, uh, and, he, and he showed what he can do. Good to see uh, Jude Bellingham and, and Sancho get on as well. If we continue to win one nil throughout the whole tournament and, and win it, then I'm sure not many people would moan. Mark Kirkpatrick watching via TV. I thought the defence looked better with Walker and Maguire. They had more options with Maguire going forward, carrying the ball, and Saka looked really great going forward. And other than that, it was a good, well-done performance. 1966. 30 seconds by Ah, Watson. The Germans are going down and they can hardly get up. And here comes Hurst. He's got... Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now. It's four. And Charlton. And Charlton have Are out of the 1970 World Cup. 1990. Would you want to be Chris Waddle now? And England are out of the World Cup. West Germany are through to the final on penalty kicks. 1996. So we go into sudden death penalties. Well, he's only just recently forced his way into the England side, Southgate. Model, they call him, at uh, model at uh, Aston Villa. He does everything right. Well, let's hope he can do this right as well. Saved it! Oh, my word. 2000. Make it a free kick. In towards Michael Lloyd. It's cut for Milner, Defoe, that's a lovely touch. Lampard! It is! It was in, That surely crossed the line. It's not been given. Surely that was it. Jorge Larry Andres made a huge call. So it's Germany. It was always going to be Germany. Going into that last round of group games, France topped Group F, Germany were second, Portugal third and Hungary bottom. Those games twisted and turned, they both ended 2-2. Or a Desmond, as some of a familiar age may understand. And we're back where we started. Now here to have a chat with me about it is German football expert and manager of TransferMarket.us, Manuel Vetz. Hello there, Manuel. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. So we meet again. I mean, is this an English mentality thinking, we'll get the Germans, we know we'll get the Germans, or or do the Germans think, we'll get the English? Um, you know you're not our biggest rival, right? 
I know. I know. You'll say the Dutch are bigger than us, and quite rightly. And the Austrians. Yeah. And the Czechs and the Poles and anyone that lives around us. Do we come um, that far down the pecking order? Yeah. I mean, you don't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is. I think it's a game that we can all be excited about because I think they meet on eye level. That's not always been the case. I think it's definitely the case this time. Yeah. And we don't really know where either side is at, right? Yeah. And I think that makes it, I think that makes it really an interesting prospect because this Germany side has been terrible, good, and mediocre, right? And I saw all three of England's games and I haven't seen much more than mediocre. So we don't really know what we're going to get, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I thoroughly agree with that. So, um, going into the tournament, what, what was the German feeling? Confident? expectation because i mean looking back on previous german results i mean you can go back to the world cup you can go back to world cup qualifying you've been a little indifferent um so what mm. was what was expectation like the expectations have been very low i think i mean joke is joachim Lö, right the head coach the expectations have been very low on him and um i think you go back to the results all the way to the 2018 world cup and then his the the fact that we got relegated from UEFA Nations League, right? And it's in its first iteration, and then saved by UEFA's reforms, played a pretty good second UEFA Nations League, but then lost six six nil to Spain, right? Yep. Which is terrible, historical, terrible result. Then you know he brought he decided to bring back a bunch of players. Uh, didn't use them for those World Cup qualifiers. Great game against. Iceland, good game against Romania, and then a loss to North Macedonia. I mean, like yeah. it's been so up and down and it's been so inconsistent that I think there were no expectations. I think a lot of people thought Germany is not going to make it out of this group. And I think that because of that, everything that comes now is kind of seen of as, as a bonus, right? Yeah. So the expectations were very, very low, um, surprisingly low. And I think for most fans, they were just saying, well, thankfully, this Joachim Löw era is over soon. And then Hansi Flick is going to take over and he's finally going to reform this team. I personally always thought for all of Germany's opponents, that's always the most dangerous place that you can get the Germans at. Because when the expectations are the lowest, that's usually when they perform the best. Right. Because there's nothing on them, right? No one has, no one really asks anything from them. So yeah, but the expectations of this tournament were very low. And I think they still are. I think they, when you read the newspapers, they're surprisingly negative. Um, when it comes to this England game, um, which surprises me because watching England, I'm I don't know we should we should be really worried about them. It's not as if you haven't got the players. I mean, look at yeah. that, the roster of players. Kai Havertz, we know Gundogan, we know yeah. Werner. I mean, and there's players obviously playing at home. Gnabry, Hummels, Tony Cruz, Leo Sane. I mean, it's it's a squad that's just packed of quality. It, it is. It's a very deep squad, and you know. We saw Jamal Musiala comes on, who was eligible to play for England as well, right? And in a situation where Germany was facing elimination, he he made that play on on the left, and he was a game changer. And he, not that many teams have players that you, you know he didn't make the roster. I mean, you can say the same maybe about Jaden Sancho for England, right? Yeah, um, he's probably in a very similar situation to him, that um, very young, still in experience and still trying to find space, but you have a lot of impact players and the fact that this is not about the players. This is not about 
whether or not Germany has the players. I think everyone thinks Germany has the players. I think people are just concerned about Joachim Löw and his ability to put them in, in the best possible formation. And I think this is really what it comes down to, is Joachim Löw the man that can decipher the Southgate side, find a balance. Like, Are we going to get Germany playing like they did against Portugal or are we going to get Germany like they played against Hungary? Yeah, That's the big question. And is he just going to stick with this formation or is he going to like change it or what is he going to do? And I think it's not, it's not about the players. I think when you, when you look at the, just the squad and there's been some really nice, interesting statistics done on this. Um, you know, we have, I work for Transfermarkt. It's one of the most valuable sites in, in, at this tournament. I think they're in the top four. Goal impact has done the numbers on how much impact the individual players have when they play for the individual club sides and has have, has kind of uh, accumulated that. And for that, Germany actually have the best squad in the tournament. But even goal impact, and I know the guy that runs it, says, well, but what about the head coach, right? So it's it's really interesting. It's like, yeah, we have the players, but do we have the guy to put them on the field and unleash that horsepower? So, I mean, you mentioned him there. I mean, it, it is his, his last swan song, isn't it? He's leaving yeah. at the end of this. I mean, he's... Should he have gone sooner? I mean, are you happy to see him go? Is places are all or faces are in place to for that transition? Yeah, I think so. I was in Russia for that tournament. Um, yeah. I covered that tournament from the start to the end. I was at that game in Kazan, and I have to say, when I when I watched this game in Munich against Hungary, I had flashbacks from Kazan. Just remind us the, the game in Kazan. That was the uh, 2-0 loss against South Korea, right? Yeah. where they went out of the group stage. It felt very similar with, like I think, 60%, over 60% possession, the ball being crowded around the box, but just no way through. And this game against Hungary felt very similar in that, that there just seemed to be no penetration. And my thought immediately after Kazan was that Joachim Löw has to go because what made Germany so strong in the period between 2010 and 2017, when they won the um, Confederations Cup, right? Was that possession game, was the fact that they could hold the ball. Like they played like the Spanish, right? right. But I feel that that style of football is out of the way. Like it's, it's le- it, we, all the successful teams now, they still play with a high line. They still like to have the ball, but they're also much quicker in the transition game. And you don't necessarily see that from this Germany side. And then it's not because we don't have the players. It's because that's what the coach wants from them, right? Or maybe he's not able to communicate what he wants properly to the players because his style of play is just no longer what, we, what we're playing today. So I think he should have gone after Kazan. I think that's personally, that's when he should have gone. And, um, you know, that was a historic blow because Germany's never failed to get out of a World Cup group stage to see that happening to a side that was so very deep and should have probably defended the world cup was tragic in many ways. And the DFB let him, let him work on all the way to this tournament. The, this, the results to this tournament haven't been great either. We, we touched on this. And yeah. I think for him, I think he wanted to stay on because he's trying to preserve his legacy. He wants to be remembered as the coach that has won the world cup, maybe the euros, rather than the head coach that won the World Cup, but also didn't make it out of the group stage. And that's why he's hanging on to this job. Uh, It's a a dangerous game. But from one manager to another, are the German public aware of the the Gareth Southgate narrative going back to 96? Yeah. 
<laughs> when he missed that penalty. I remember that game. Um, I remember Andy Muller. Um, yeah. I remember the English press. Um, I didn't think that's, I think this was the first time that I was really aware of the sort of antipathy that there is in the English press to watch mm-hmm. German football. Um, I remember the all the war stuff and I was 12 at the time. I was thinking, what's going, what's happening here? And I thought it was all very odd and it gave me huge satisfaction after seeing all of that when, when Möller did that celebration <laughs> in front of the, of the entire Wembley crowd. And of course, Southgate um, missing the penalty. Andy Köpke was fantastic that night as well. I think there's so much focus though in the, Engl- in the German press about the shortcomings of the German team that we've almost forgotten that the English press is just as worried about their own home head coach. Yeah. I find that very intriguing that the focus is so much on all the problems that we have right now. I have lots of English friends. I studied in England and you know I, I, I cover this game in English and I find that they are, they are, some of them are very surprised that we don't pay focus, like pay attention to this because yeah. look at Southgate. I mean, are you happy with Southgate at the moment and the way he's coaching this team? Oh, Jenna, I, I, it's such a hard question leading up to the Euros. Yes, I think he's, I mean, yeah. some of the results we had, the attacking football, but these three games that we've played, they haven't been what we know he's capable of. Um, and I think if, if, we are going to go and progress in this tournament. We're going to progress in a dirty fashion uh, to uh, to go through to this rather than that attractive attacking football that we know we're capable of. Well, I don't know. But at the same time, I don't know who would be prepared to take on this, on the England job. You've, I mean, you've mentioned the English press. They, uh, yeah. they love a, uh, a time when uh, an English manager, a new English manager is appointed. Dig up any dirt on him. But yeah, it's yeah. We we shall see. I mean, this this pathway that the our our side of the the group seems a little easier than the other side. Would you agree? I think the winner of England versus Germany is making the final. Right. Next is Sweden or Ukraine, right? Yeah. And then it's potentially Wales. Wales potentially in a semi final. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the winner of this is going all the way to the final in Wembley where you're probably going to play France, Belgium. Those two sides are very good. <laughs> but it is, an e- it is an easy pathway. Once you're through this game, um, it is an easy pathway. And I think both teams know this. I think that too, that the Germans, use, that's the one thing that I have noticed. The German players are quite confident that they're going through. Right. I mean, when you hear them talk and the way they reacted, I think they, like, they're saying, we got out of this group. We knew this group was going to be hard. I think the game against France, there was a lot of criticism for the game against France where they where they lost 1-0. I think they actually quite played quite well in their game plan. And then, of course, they smashed Portugal. And I think the German players look at England and they say, Portugal is, is the category that England are in. And if England open up their defense, we're going we're gonna to destroy them. And I think England will have to because they're going to play at home. I think it's 75% capacity at Wembley, right? Well, these last three games have been 25%, but I'm not sure quite what the actual capacity will be for this game. I, I have heard there is a fair percentage of German supporters coming. I'm not sure that's, um, that's going home, to work out. Home-based, sort of Home-based, home yeah. German fans. Um, going to be interesting to see because, of course, the Delta variant is a huge issue in England yeah. um, and there's some strict travel restrictions going back. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know, like... I think maybe the German players think uh, Southgate will have to open up. Yeah. And and that is always, I think, 
the German team is more comfortable playing against an opponent that likes to play football rather than someone who just sits deep and yeah. gives them the ball. And I think that's really what it comes down to in the end. Well, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an interesting game. A little stat that I found: When was the last time England beat Germany at Wembley? Do you know? The last time at Wembley, yeah, 1966. <laughs> no, 1975. 1975. It was yeah. only a only a friendly, yeah. but I mean, the last time we met, I think was a uh, was a nil nil at Wembley. Um, obviously, it can't be that this time. Well, yeah, it, it, it was, can be, but we don't want well, it to be. <laughs> a few years ago, I was at Wembley for a yeah. Germany-England friendly, and I think uh, Germany won that game 1-0 one, one thanks to a goal by Per Mertesacker. Yeah, I think that was Which, shortly before um, this that, one, because we went for a spate of playing each other on a, a regular basis, didn't we? Yeah, friendlies mostly, right? I think they went back and forward on home, home and away. That's right. Which is yeah. a nice little tradition. Maybe after COVID, we can bring that back. But um, I think the last competitive victory for England at Wembley was 1966, wasn't I think, it? Yeah, I think you may well be right. I, I didn't dare go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tell us about, is it transfermarket.us or the, the organization Transfer Market? Yeah, like, I work for Transfermarkt. I, I think anyone who's ever looked up any player statistic has probably been to Transfermarkt. Um, we do market values for for all the different players. And um, I run the, the North America operations. So I, I am based currently, like, usually I split my time between uh, Germany and Canada. Uh, COVID has meant that I've been just here. Yeah, uh, I think we've all been kind of stuck in one place or another. If you're used to traveling, that's not been happening. But yeah, like uh, run Transfermarkt. North America operation. I do most of the English content. We have a couple other people that help out with that as well. So if you go.co.uk, that will also be mostly my content, um, the transfer stories, some in-depth statistical stuff. Yeah, that's more or less my job. A bit of management, a bit of journalism. And then, of course, I cover the German national team doing the Euros for Forbes. Um, Uh, Okay. Would have hoped to be there at the the tournament, but... Yeah, the next the next Euros is in Germany, so I'll be back for that. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's one I'm I'm particularly looking forward to. So yeah, maybe when that comes around, we can uh, we can chat again. I would love that for yeah. sure. Let's do it. Uh, and once again, you're on Twitter, aren't you? I am. I'm. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter under my name. So that's M A N U E L V E T H. Let's do it. Let's catch up again, Manuel. Cheers for that. Cheers and thank you. Thanks to Manuel Veth there for his German perspective. You can find him on Twitter at Manuel Veth and indeed to Matt Astbury for looking back over that Czech Republic game. You can find him at Astbury Matt. Just looking towards those round of 16 matches, I'm sure you know the layout of them already. But for those that perhaps don't, let's just quickly run through them. Wales face Denmark, Italy, Austria, Netherlands, Czech Republic, Belgium, Portugal, Croatia, Spain, France, Switzerland, England, Germany and Sweden, Ukraine. And if we get through that Germany game, then we will face the winners of Sweden, Ukraine on July the 3rd. Of course, it's being played in Rome. Other commitments elsewhere led me to combining this episode. In an ideal world, they would have been two separate ones. But uh, yeah, time went against me and just other things. But it is what it is. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me. 
And I'll be back very soon looking back on that Germany game with another England blogger. I hope you can join me for it. Don't forget, you can follow the podcast on all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. Wherever you watch the game, enjoy it. Let's hope for a positive outcome. Cheers. Cheers.